This is Link the Cast, your weekly dose of video games and nerd culture ephemera available everywhere. Good podcasts are sold. I'm your returning party host, Dave Ryan, and I am joined by a couple of my co-hosts. I am joined first by the platforming prodigy himself. Uh, it's Mark Robinson. Mark, how are you? Uh, I'm pretty good, I guess. Um, do you know, I was today years old when I realized that uh, Rob Zombie and White Zombie was the same thing. Yeah. I never knew this. Yeah. I always, I always thought they were two separate, like entities i guess but no <laughs> i was listening to um so a guy i talk about a lot on this show pat finnerty who does the what makes this song stink series on youtube now has a what makes this song stink podcast and he was talking to somebody about the what i'm sure you'll agree mark is the the musical epic that is limp biscuits cover of behind blue eyes <laughs> 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 and the person who was his guest on the show uh confessed that it was only 24 hours before they recorded that they found out Behind Blue Eyes wasn't a Limp Biscuit original. Excellent. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness I mean, look, me. Those people exist, you know? Those people exist. I mean, yeah. I've got to interject here and ask, why are we always about a minute away from a conversation about Limp Biscuit on this podcast? Uh, Limp Biscuit, it's like, uh, it's like Kevin Bacon, you know? It just... <laughs> It's very easy to get back to Limp Bizkit. Especially for people who are wrestling fans in the early Especially, 2000s. yes. <laughs> we, we are the dead center of the Venn diagram for, for yeah. Limp Bizkit. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, other than that, I'm good. Thanks for asking. Good, good. Uh, also joining us, the Sidona simp himself, Jack Lazell. Jack, how are you? Weekend without the football. Yeah, pain. Just nothing but pain. Uh, yeah. No football last weekend, no football this weekend. A sort of bang average Champions League tie in the middle. I just don't know what to do with myself, really. Well, um, I'll tell you what I did. I uh, I learned this week that when you cut me, Jack, I bleed blue. Yeah. Uh, the the colour of my beloved LA Chargers. <laughs> Definitely not an arbitrary pick last weekend when bereft of football, I put on red zone for the first time in my life. <laughs> Yeah, just the first play you happened to see, you were like, "I yeah. like this team now." Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll key you all, key you other guys in on the behind the scenes. Myself and Jack were chatting because I know if NFL chat is happening, Jack is up for it. Oh, um, so I was like, "There's no football. I I've missed the Serie A games. I'm gonna pop on the last couple of hours of Red Zone." As I popped on Red Zone, the Chargers scored a touchdown. It was the first thing I saw when I when I queued it up. And uh, I was telling Jack, oh, yeah, just tuned in in time to see the Chargers touchdown. And he's like, oh, Chargers fan. I was like, you said that would be an esoteric pick, I believe you described it Yeah, it, it would be an esoteric pick. Yeah. I just, they're not the sort of team that people usually jump for, um, yeah. which is nice. Um, so, and, yeah. And within a couple of minutes of us doing this as a bit, I decided to pot commit. And <laughs> I am now... Oh diehard LA Chargers fan. I will fight you, Mark. Back I will in, fight you like, for them. Back in like 2014, when I was trying to get in on the mix with the whole NFL thing uh, amongst my group of friends, including Jack, uh, I was trying to figure out what team I was going to go with. And purely just based on, because um, I think this was right about the time that Punk would have made his first uh, exit from wrestling. Bears. Um, possibly second one soon to come. Uh, I just went with Chicago Bears. Um, yeah. And that lasted all of about, uh, let's say, two months. And I decided I do not like this sport. Well, this, I, uh, I, yeah. I have ordered my Chargers t-shirt. Wow. Uh, He's gone full in. I've gone I've gone full in. I have subscribed to SB Nation's Bolts from the Blue podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for it. I told Jack this last week. It's like if I if I'm committing, I'm fucking committing. Yeah. I'm not going half measures. I can't 
I can't really remember enjoy a time. A new, you well, weren't I, a Charters yeah, fan. Oh, can't remember a time. <laughs> Rounding us out, noted coward Garrett Kidney. How are you, my friend? As the proud owner of an LA Rams jersey. Oh, look at this. We have rivalry. Further deepened the bitter conflict between me and Dave. <laughs> Brilliant. At least they're in separate conferences, so you know, you don't have to get too feisty. I have I have never once watched an LA Rams game, but I <laughs> yeah. do have a jersey. So, so saying in sep- in separate conferences. Therefore in in American football much as in crisp warfare Garrett is just ducking. Yeah. Yep. Avoiding you at all times. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. Interesting. How has your week been, buddy? I've just noticed we've reached the stage where it's dark when we start recording again. It's made me yep. sad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't care for that very much. It's like, oh, the summer um, is gone. Joy is lost. We're just in the depths of cold and harsh winter. If you keep your curtains closed all the time, then there never was light, Garrett. There you go. I take that approach sometimes. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about what we've been watching this week while we're in buoyant spirits. Um, and Mark, I'm going to go to you first. Mm, not sure buoyant spirits is the uh, emotional feeling to go into watching Promising Young Woman. Uh, oh, which oh, is... Jesus Christ, the segue. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking <Yeah. laughs> Oh, oh, that was deliberate. Yeah, yeah. So this is a 2020 film. Um, I'm not going to go too much into like spoilers and plot details. Uh, just for anyone who hasn't watched it and wants to go and watch it, I would say recommend it. I, I don't know if like this film has come up on the podcast before because I'm always kind of conscious that I iconically get to films several years you, too late. Uh, do you know how old this film is? Is that I believe because you asked this question during the week, Jack? I believe this came up on a popcorn social. I think it did, yeah. I think I think that was how long ago that was. How many of those did we do? Like four or something? Yeah, they're a great show. Yeah. Great show. Yeah. <laughs> well, twice as many as the uh, the Away Goals podcast that we did. Yeah. Yeah. Can't wait for your NFL podcast in the near future. Oh, I mean, le- it's coming. <laughs> if, if it wasn't for Jack's just abject misery watching the Giants, he probably would. We last week. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, so um, Kerry Mulligan stars as Katie Thomas, and just off the bat, first thing, uh, Kerry Mulligan is just absolutely phenomenal in this film. Uh, the, she was the nominated film, for an Oscar for it, I think. Well deserved. Like, this film is basically, it's, it's a revenge film. Um, her best friend um, is, uh, is, is raped in college, and... Um, then like you know sometime after that uh commit suicide and cassie thomas like you know is dealing with the the kind of trauma of that for for several years afterwards and it the film becomes a revenge film but it's not in the like the kind of traditional sense like the the anger that um kerry mulligan's character has is this kind of like slow burn seething under the skin type of rage and anger and how she kind of plots her revenge um against the the perpetrators and people that were basically complicit to like everything that happened and uh you know i i the film ended and uh you know me and maria were having a kind of lengthy conversation afterwards about it and obviously for her as a woman to watch this film there's a different dynamic to to me watching it and uh you know she wanted to watch it just because like bo, bo burnham is involved and and maria's like absolutely obsessed with bo burnham at this point and uh and he's also really really good in the film as well like the, the cast across the board is, is tremendous but i feel like the, the one issue that i had with the film at the end is that like it, it's 
categorized genre-wise as like a, a black comedy. Uh, and that's certainly there. But I feel like towards the end, there's like a significant event that occurs. And then afterwards, there's still like this kind of twist that happens that leans into the into the comedy, but in the darkness of it. And I feel like the tonal shift goes a little bit too far into like I have fucking whiplash with with the inconsistencies. And maybe it's the, this by design that uh, director uh, Emerald Fennell wanted to do that. I don't know. Um, but I feel like the ending is just it's a bit too the 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 tonal clash is just a bit too extreme. And I feel like part of that is based on some of the um, casting. Like there's a, a character towards the end played by Max Greenfield, better known as Schmitty from uh, from. Uh, oh fuck, uh, new girl, new girl, uh, and he has just such a like a, a kind of a light-hearted comedic presence to him. Like just this, he kind of like natural aura that, again, maybe it's by design why Emerald uh, Fennel wanted to go with him in this role. But for me, it just it didn't seem right. It, it, it kind of clashed too much for me. So I think the film was very very effective in the story it's trying to tell, and you know, in terms of. Um, Hey, if you know, so if, if a girl is, is saying that they were sexually assaulted, always believe the victim. Um, and you know, there's a lot of kind of commentary based around that. But I do think the ending is just. I don't know what the right direction that the, the film should go in, but I feel like the, the the tonal shift is just a bit too extreme. But I think it's it's a tremendously it's, it's it's an unsettling film in you know the themes it talks about, uh, and and again, again across the board, uh, I I do think that like the performances are just incredible. So yeah, really good film. Um, certainly like some trigger warnings in terms of uh, some of the themes in there. So you know like if you are affected by any of those, probably not the easiest film to watch, um, but. Uh, I, I I did enjoy it, and you know, for the the messages that it's trying to get across, I think it, it conveys and, and explores those those things very very well. So yeah. Um, Garrus, you have been watching um a show that uh, Netflix is like one step short of calling over to my house and saying, "Have you watched it yet?" <laughs> See, unlike you, who's like, "No, nah, I won't watch what Netflix." Baselessly pushes on you. I'm like, yeah, sure, Netflix. I, I don't need to think. I will just let the algorithm guide me. Yes, a show called Devil in Ohio, which is about a girl who emerges from a cornfield with a pentagram like carved into her back and then is taken into a house and a family. And the first thing she does is say grace to the devil. <laughs> She's like, oh, do you say grace in this household? And the family are like, no, we don't. It's like, oh, can I? It's like, yeah, sure. And then she's like, God bless the devil for giving us this food. And they don't immediately kick her out of the house. That's pretty metal, to be fair. <laughs> it's like this demon girl from the demon cult. We can redeem her. Nothing's going to possibly mm -hmm. go wrong w here. Would that make her a redeemer? Ah, very good wordplay. I appreciate hey. it. Uh, thank you. That's, yeah. uh, that's the next Hideo Kojima game. <laughs> this oh. show is like stupid, but then halfway through, they start talking about the underpinnings of the cult. And it turns out that like uh, the origin story of the cult in this show is that there was a bunch of people during the Irish famine. <laughs> <laughs> to which I'm already slightly suspicious. And uh, because they could not get crops to grow in the famine, they left America or left Ireland, moved to America and started worshipping the devil to grow their crops. Yeah. And then that's the basis of their cult. The famine drove if, them to the devil. 
If only we'd thought of that in the 1840s over we here. We just did not lean enough into demon worship. That's the thing Catholic Ireland yeah. is really guilty for. <laughs> holding back the yeah. demon yeah. worship at our That's time of need. the deed. worst thing they ever did, yeah. Do you know oh, what the amazing dear. thing is? Uh, I watched, and I'm not going to start my review, I'm just going to buy it here, but I watched Clerks 3, and there is genuinely a part of that where someone turns to Satan to solve a problem for them. So... <laughs> it's the weirdest parallel between two things on the schedule so I've seen in a long time. It's a, it's, it's a way out of more situations. The other parallel is, you know, you mentioned Max Greenfield, Mark, uh, star, co-star of New Girl. Well, A Devil in Ohio, I believe, stars the other Deschanel. Yeah, it's Emily, I was going to say. It's like, oh, yeah, look yeah. at us. Look at us with our Deschanel-linked things. Yeah. yeah. Hey, look, it's Bones. Show about friends or shows about friends of Zoe or movies. Uh, yeah, this this show has my absolute favorite thing. I was gonna say they're like most of the cast are Canadian, but it's uh, American television shows forcing people to speak in Irish. <laughs> right stuff. And it never goes well. So like, th- there's one phrase that they repeat over and over again, which is deal which is like the descendant of the devil or the devil's own, as they translated mm-hmm. in the show. The way one of the characters pronounces "un" is just like. It's unhinged. It's like schlucked, yeah. long pause, which nobody speaking Irish would ever do. Like nope. long pause, pa- and pauses are pauses are antithetical to the Irish language. So it's just like schlucked pause and you'll it's like oh no oh oh Oh, dear god how did you not get one irish person it's shot in vancouver i know there are like shitloads of irish people in vancouver you can find one of them to go does this sound right and they'll go nah i know someone from essex who lives in vancouver if that would have helped a little bit (laughs) can i ask you guys uh did you watch heroes back in the day i didn't Oh, I was going to say, did you see Heroes' portrayal of Cork? Oh, oh no. <laughs> Heroes went to Cork uh, for an episode, and I didn't know, having only been there several hundred times in my life, probably, um, that Cork is actually uh, a couple of shipping containers and a small village on the side of a hill uh, in Ireland. Well, we, we do have a port. <laughs> it's the largest natural port in Europe, I'll have you know. Yeah. There is, it, it is quite hilly as well. There is hills, yes. But like, it's yes. literally the entire city is on a hill. Yeah, my, my granddad used to drive a, a milk float up and down those hills and and always tells the story about how he accidentally left the handbrake off and had to chase his milk float down the hill. We are basically the San Francisco into- of Ireland when you think about it. Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> that, that is what they say, isn't it? It's, yeah, the, the San Francisco of the, the South of Europe except we're I don't remember San Francisco being a kip perhaps if we ever have some sort of wager as a means of forfeit I will I will ask you to watch the Cork episode of Heroes (laughs) that's our Patreon incentive right there yeah Yeah, can we damn straight if there was a way of doing it like I'm sure if you put a whole episode of Heroes up on uh, YouTube it'd get immediately taken down let's just record that'd be like if we did if we uh, if we charge people for the inevitable Morbius uh, commentary track that like you know uh, an incentive would be you throw us a couple of extra quids and uh, we'll get me and Garrett watching that episode of Heroes. Yeah, you know what we'll do? We know the way, anytime they do like a remaster of a video game, they do like the side-by-side comparison. We're going to try and find the Heroes locations in Cork. It's like, yeah, that's about uh, oh, right, huh? Oh, I don't think they, I don't think they came anywhere near Ireland. It's like, does that hill look like the Heroes hill to you? 
I'm not going to lie. I was thinking this week about um, over the Christmas period at some point doing a, a Twitch or YouTube stream watch along of Morbius with me watching it for the first time. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would just be you violently applauding for 90 minutes. Huh? Oh, of course, <laughs> naturally. And yeah. doing whooshing motions just, with your own Just hands. wondering what the, fuck, <laughs> what the fuck you fuckers have been on about all this time. Yeah, just keep- you're, that shy, you're that shy of the beef gif. Yeah. I'm watching his own films. And you've got to do it from a bar, like one like the tub as well, like a hot tub stream mm. of it. <laughs> I mean, Mark. obviously, I want to make money out of this. Exactly. Live from his hot tub watching Morbius. It's the greatest issue. Seriously, fuck me. you got to pull this off now, Mark. Even if you have to go in the bath and have your missus, like, swish the shower head around a little bit <laughs> just to give the illusion of you doing that. <laughs> um, I ended up, like, having uh, an accidental Jack Black movie marathon last weekend. I love Jack Black so much. Um, so what happened was um, I just in, in an algorithm on Netflix moment I was looking for something to watch and skipping right past Devil in Ohio I saw that it was like would you like to watch this again School of Rock I would like to watch that again Netflix and lo and behold it's still a five star movie it's just it, School of Rock is just a great big warm hug of a movie yeah, it's perfect uh, it's still it still absolutely slaps it's still very, very funny. Um, it is the like it, it. It is clear that the role was written by Mike White for Jack Black, um, because no, it's one of those no other human being on earth could have done that role. It is it, it, the thing that blows my mind every time that I keep forgetting um, is that it's a Richard Linklater film. Yeah, yeah. When you see that intro in it, like Richard Linklater, because I saw this in the cinema. Like, so I, I've got nothing but love for this movie, and I saw the Richard Linklater thing come up. With star and i'm like really i had no idea that it would be by him but apparently he's just so first of all um, mike white wrote it who aka ned schneebly do you know he's like jack black's neighbor or he was at the time he lived next yeah. door for him he's just like hey jack black i live next door from him he's really funny so if i wanted to get him a script i could just write it and put it, mm. put it for his mailbox that's exactly yeah. what happened and then yeah richard richard lingley apparently just saw the script and he's like oh man this uh, this seems like a really great movie someone should do this and then he was like you know what I'll do this because he doesn't normally direct like completely out of the blue stuff like this so yeah it's just really cool yeah. and he, he gives it a sense of like there's like a sort of like a gritty coolness that you get in Richard and, and, an, and an, an earnesty yeah definitely yeah it feels grounded like obviously towards yeah. the end it gets a little a little bit like yeah there's there's yeah. no way the it's, it, it keeps it grounded but it is ridiculous yeah like there's no way the parents would be too happy about all of the stuff going on at the end and just watch the gig probably yeah. but you know for the vast majority of you like you could probably believe that this might happen uh maybe not in 2022 but you know maybe 20 30 yeah. years ago potentially so are you talking about school of rock or pick of destiny Oh, absolutely well, grounded in reality. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, because I, I also watched, and I'm just looking at Letterboxd here, and I forgot to, to put it in on my ratings, and I must do later. Uh, I rewatched Orange County. Love it. Which is a really underrated one in the Jack Black canon. Speaking of um, um, parallels to other things we've been watching recently, Niles' second wife, Mel, <laughs> plays Jack Black's love interest in uh, in yeah. Orange County, and it is such a throw-off because she is 180 degrees away from who Mel is as a character. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great two-hander with Jack Black and uh, uh, Colin Hanks. Yep. Uh, that's a really good little movie. I watched, uh, in what may blow some people's minds for the first time in my life, Tropic Thunder. What? Never seen that before. Yeah. Wow. 
Yeah, never seen Holy it before. Shit, which is wild because like I love everyone in it. Yeah, and I just ne- it's one of those I just never got round to it. Um, Did you enjoy? I was, it? I was well, one of these days. Yeah, I'd say I, if I had seen it at the time, I'd have more nostalgia for it, and it would have like gotten a higher, higher rating. I went three and a half. I want to say, end. Jack, did I see that in the cinema with you? It's very possible, yeah. I, I feel I, like we did. Yeah. It, it is neither my favourite Jack Black nor my favourite Ben Stiller, um, but those are particularly high can, bars. Can I just say you know? as well, it's annoying because everything he does is good, but Tom Cruise is fucking hilarious in that movie. Tom Cruise is great in yeah. it. Yeah. And is in, like, for people talk about, like, uh, you know, uh, it being an all-timer cameo, I wasn't prepared for just how much of that movie he's in. Yep. Like, he's in a lot of that movie. Yep. Like, and the- and what, what I also wasn't prepared for is that his assistant is Bill Hader. Yeah, his assistant's Bill Hader. Like, the guy he's always on the phone to is Matthew McConaughey, who for some reason yeah. turns up at the end of the movie and throws him a TiVo box. Yeah. Do you want to now spend 45 minutes doing uh, Robert Downey Jr. discourse on that film? Uh, let's not do that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, like... It was a discourse so of itself. Th- so the thing is, it, like, about that, like, again, without making it a podcast about that, is that because he is doing a conceited Hollywood actor who thinks he deserves a role like that, and, it, like, it is a subplot about, you know, the the black guy that's with them being really fucked off that they gave the role to somebody who wasn't appropriate for it instead of an actual black actor with talent, uh... I kind of liked that bit of it. I It was actually a more, I thought, that was one of the things that really held me back from watching it. I was like, oh, the more time goes on, the more I don't like this. Um, but I think, it, I, now, if I was making the movie, would I have done it? Almost certainly not. Would he have done it again, considering um, it came out the same year as the first Iron Man I, movie? No. I, weirdly, I have way less of a problem with that than I do the amount of times they uh, they do ableist humour in it. Um, I don't even remember that. The, oh, do you not remember that uh, simple Jack? Oh yes. Oh oh god. Oh yeah. And the amount of times they use uh, a certain R slur. Yeah. The thing is, yeah. again, it's trying to. That's what. That's way more offensive because they're <laughs> yeah. not doing that as they're not doing that as. Oh look, we're doing a subversive commentary on how people use that sort of stuff. It's like no, they're just that's that's actually the joke. Well, no, I think that they are a little bit trying to do it, but they don't do it. They do it yeah, so heavy-handedly. Like one of the lines that everyone quoted about that movie, one of the big gags that everyone quoted at the time is, you know, you never go full yeah. slur. Um, so it's not in the same way that the, like, it's not, I don't see it in the same way that I do the the uh, the blackface at all. Is it, is it um, worse you know, as the fact that the person that says that is Robert Downey Jr. while yes, in blackface? Yeah, you know, it just compounds the issue <laughs> that it is Robert Downey Jr. that says it. Um, it's like while finally, he was standing on an LGBTQ flag or something at yeah, the same time. Yeah. You literally couldn't get more offensive than that. And, and then I, I rounded it off with uh, Pick a Destiny, um, which I have such a soft spot for because I love Tenacious D so much. But... Uh, you know, we talked about cameos there a few minutes ago. Uh, big shout out to uh, all-time weirdo cameo Tim Robbins in that movie. Yeah, that is a very... Do you know what, though? Pick a Destiny... Obviously, there's the podcast, How Did This Get Made? And they cover terrible films. But Pick of Destiny is such a how did this get made? Because it came like five years after the peak of Tenacious D when like they were at yeah. their most, you know, renowned when that first album come yeah. out and, yeah. and, and tribute was all over the TV and stuff. If the, if the movie had come out like a year after that, 
it probably would have done like a good sort of 40 50 million dollars at the box office but i think it did like less than 10 i mean in fairness like tribute was still being played heavily on rotation on kerrang and whatnot five years later probably still is today he had the like he had the comet like uh, the comedy fans but like jack didn't have the hollywood juice to get that movie made when the first album came out true that he later would you know um, i think it came out the, did it come out the same year as the holiday or like the year after <laughs> I just Im- mm. just imagine like someone like someone and their mum like sitting down and watching the holiday and being like, oh, that Jack Black, he's in another movie about this. He would have done like Shallow Hal by then, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean. That- oh, Shallow Hal was way earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, Shallow Hal, talk like- about offensive movie, Shallow Hal. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. I mean, aw- yeah, yeah. awful. I mean, a lot of the Farrelly brothers canon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't exactly age. It ages like milk. When people talk about their favourite openings to films ever, by the way, I always, always think of the first number of this Tenacious D movie, Kickapoo. Oh, Kickapoo. Yeah, yeah. because it has Ronnie James Dio and Meatloaf in, who we've now, now both sadly lost. And they are... Fucking singing their guts out in that, like they yeah. they are not phoning it in their appearances. Yeah. They are giving it everything they've got, and it is so so cool. It's do, do two things I constantly forget about the Tenacious D canon, both the movie um, and the HBO series, which people should look up. The HBO series from like um, before even the first Tenacious D album came out. I think I know where you're going to go with this. Fabulous is that. I constantly forget that the club MC (laughs) where they play is Paul F. Tompkins. And that the um, the Intonacious D universe terrible comedian that's their support act in the show and when you go see them on tour he's often their support act Neil Hamburger (laughs) is Greg Turkington of On Cinema fame. Uh, a part of the the Tim and Eric universe um, that fucking melted me. And just one of the most hideously awful slash offensive comedians as well, Hamburger. Oh, 100%. I literally, I remember two or three of his jokes from when I saw Tenacious D live and I will not as long as I live repeat any no, of them. No, I mean, you can't even quote the jokes without feeling like you're now part of the joke. Like you yeah. came up with it or something, yeah. Mm. Um, I, I know we've all gone on record before about, about the D, but but Garrett, were you? Were, are, this is D, guys. Are you Jack Jack is if he's going to put <laughs> yeah. the fucking shoes so, in on Tenacious D, uh, so I want to know Jack off. Black, Jack Black, generally, and Tenacious D. I was just looking through Jack Black's filmography to be like, yeah. what Jack Black movies have I actually seen? Oh, and no. it's, <laughs> we're all, we're off to a bad start. That's. <laughs> it's, it's not a great list. I've seen Ice Age. So that's that's all right. Uh, Have you seen? Was it the Never Ending Story Part Three, where he's the school bully? I've seen King Kong, but I don't remember anything about it because I saw it in the film. film. It's a terrible film. Yeah, that sucked. Uh, it's 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 boring, is what it is. Bad. And, it's a bad film, and, and he is like he is. It is the it's the most miscast he's ever been. Yep. yep. I've seen all three Kung Fu Pandas, two of which are very good. Oh, I love the original Kung Fu Panda. Great film. Third one's really good too. Second one's uh, Goosebumps. Who remembers <laughs> he played Orl Stein in the live-action Goosebumps movie? I do remember I that. I do remember yeah. that. There you go. And I seen Jumanji, a movie I hate with a deep-seating passion because the joyless Hulk that is the Rock is in it. 
And I will remind everybody. Whoa, no, Gary, you can't just whiz by that sentence. No, and There's they're a lot both to good. There. They're both that good. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack. I hate. One, I, ha- I actually hate, haven't. You hate the. I, you hate the Jumanji reboot. I haven't seen the second two, one, but I do hate the Jumanji reboot. And two, you hate the ride. Hey, you know, Gary has been on record for a number of podcasts we've done now to voice his displeasure with uh, was it the PR beef bot yeah the, the dead behind the eyes PR beef bot that is the rock and like my hatred of the rock is not a long standing thing it is a recent phenomenon that like he used to be one of my favourite people now I just I can't stand the man I, I, I will say I despise his social media presence uh, at all times um but I, he I makes still bad movies much now as, too. He's just a useless no, presence no, look, on planet Earth. Look, Get rid of the rock. Look, jettison him. Look, <laughs> oh my to goodness make, to me. make to make to make the second reference on this show to the popcorn social. There was once an argument that broke on that during which Jack was completely incensed with me, <laughs> where I suggested that more than fifty percent of the Rock's IMDb history are bad movies. That said, I do enjoy them because he is the best thing in them. That's not true anymore, though. Now he just makes bad movies that he's bad in. He hasn't made a good one for a while, though, has he? That is, see, that is so the thing is, that it's is kind true. of tipped in Dave's balance now, I would say that. So, like, long term, Dave was right about that. Well, I, I didn't would, hate Jungle Cruise. I'll take that. That was a. a oh, I didn't oh, hate mate, that. that was fine. Was... I didn't hate it. But I think I feel like my standards are a lot lower than yours when it comes to, to films. <laughs> And I, I must, I must also, by the way, that. remind everybody that Jack Black is the voice of Bowser in the upcoming Super Mario movie. Yes, yeah. he is. <laughs> and yes, that is one is. that makes total sense to me. I'm sorry to say it. It just does. It. What is your... Because uh, I'm assuming there's no point in even asking about Tenacious D No, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> do you, know, I, but, do you uh, know the song Tribute by Tenacious D? Have you heard that before? Or seen the No. Video? <laughs> That what? is mad to me. Like, absolutely. What we are learning is what? Garrett did not watch music television in the mid to late 2000s. I absolutely didn't, like, no. The, the video to Tribute is one of the most famous videos of, like, the 2000-2001 period. It's insanely popular. Like, Dave right now, listeners, is, is he's, he's taken his glasses off and he has his hands either side of his face and a gog expression across his face. We've done, right? So... I was looking at our um, you think you know our RSS feed this week, and like between numbered episodes and like specials and things like that, we've done over three hundred of these things. <laughs> yeah, right. I have never been more surprised by a single sentence <laughs> since we started this in twenty fifteen. See, it doesn't surprise me. I, Gar- like, is not, not only music guy. not only am I not only am I stunned. But it has knocked everything we've talked about to this point in my head. If you gave me a test on what have we talked about so far in the podcast, I would <laughs> fail it. Because I can't remember. I just whited out as soon as he said that. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's crazy. What the fuck is wrong with you? I'm not I, a I, music I, guy. If he was like 21. Yeah, but he, like, some people no, are into wrong, music. But I like I don't know how you <laughs> add four sentences. But he's right. Like if you like, how do you not accidentally see that? Yeah, exactly. At some point, 
it was on TV all the time. Like, yeah, across- but it was on specific channels. <laughs> yeah, it's not like they're like in between episodes of Fort Boyard like, on Challenge. I, I they're like, here's this music <laughs> I, I don't think Tenacious D, and you can tell by how much money Pick of Destiny made, I, I, I feel like Tenacious D wasn't exactly, while like within our spectrums, because obviously of, you know, what we listened to and what we were um, like into, but in terms of like the kind of the, the mainstream side guys, Tenacious D never Mark, reached they that. They were on it. They had an HBO show. I, but also Famous Mark, UK right? and Ireland television network home box office. <laughs> yes, you're, yes, yes, you're right, Garrett. Nothing off HBO has ever been successful. Over no, the, the, rec- the first Tenacious D record was not only platinum in America, it was also two times platinum in Britain and platinum in Ireland as well. Garrett has been to five gigs. Uh, I think we yeah. realised it was six. I left out Hugh oh, Jackman. Oh, sorry, six, yes. Yeah, 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 fair enough. If Hugh Jackson also, had performed it, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that one. Also, by the way, uh, it was released... There's, I gotta say, I gotta say, right? right. The, the number of people in our age group who have seen Hugh Jackman live <laughs> and have never seen Tribute is one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am full-throated in my confidence about that. Uh, unbelievable honest i am seriously I'm, shocked. I'm, I'm properly shocked by yeah work. i just don't know how you don't see it like or even have like some cultural reference to it at some point i couldn't even like i i don't know the song never mind the music video the thing is ben, ben stiller and dave Grohl are in it as well yeah. it, it it was so massive because of all the hollywood influence in it and it, it, it sort of broke across the channel. Like, it wasn't just on the rock channels. It was on, like, the, you know, like, TRL and all of the, uh, you know, everything. It was on, like, they'd play it on, like, 2FM here. Yeah. I was, I mean, like it was nine. <laughs> like, you're like, how could you I- not be listening to 2FM? Girl, I'm like, what, two years old? Yeah, you're you? ancient. Old, yeah. some would say. <laughs> just dismissively. Uh, Me and Mark are, like, two, two three, three years old. No, no, it's just not, not that conversation. Just not <laughs> Jack, what, what the hell have you seen? I need a minute. <laughs> I mean, I, I, honestly, now it just feels like... like I'm, I'm my, you know, my rating for Live Alive is ticking down. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, as well, Garrett will watch it now and just be like, well, that was... It's you know. just, yeah, it'll just be... It's just a song. Good, good job, well done. But that's the point about Tribute, is it's not actually the best song ever. It's a tribute to the best song ever. That is the bit. So you're saying so, it's plagiarism. Yeah. Uh, they're plagiarizing themselves. <laughs> it's, honestly, it's like I'm not going to explain this. It's like it's, a, it's halfway between it's halfway between like a country story song and Led Zeppelin with Dave Grohl playing a guitar solo in it. It's I just did not think we'd be breaking down tribute on this episode tonight. I'm going to be honest. Right, let's well, do it. Let's fucking have, break well, down tribute live by live. No, okay. Uh, fucking necessitated it. Yes. Right, we're tacking that on to the uh, the screening of uh, that episode of Heroes and Morbius. Now you need. <laughs> to find something ridiculous that I haven't seen which I, would I will be say, a lot I, well, of effort that's fucking impossible I will say I would I would hazard a guess that I don't think Garrett would enjoy Pick of Destiny I, I don't think it no no yeah. no I and like I will say I will never say that like it's a good movie I think you have to be really in on Tenacious yeah, D and even absolutely. then not all not all Tenacious D fans I feel like he that. might enjoy the Garrett do you like musicals I feel like you do yeah I'm a musical guy so like the opening to it is essentially like a musical bit um, so I think if you watch that opening, just watch like the first five minutes of The Pick of Destiny. And I, I guess it's a musical, but there's a bit of a difference between this and Les Mis, let's be honest. Yeah, I know. It's a musical slash stoner comedy, like, <laughs> but that is... And severely lacking in Hugh Jackman. Uh, that's true. 
Wait, no, he's not a cameo in that movie. That would have been great though. Um, but yeah, it, it it you don't often get the 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 combination of stoner comedy and musical. Like it is it's a one of one. Like it is the movie was specifically for anyone that liked Tenacious D and no one else. So no wonder it didn't do well. But the album in two thousand and one, as I attest to was platinum in multiple countries so yeah wow okay i mean like what's the point from here like you know i'm just gonna talk, talk about two movies i've seen this week but I mean, like talking about like stoner movies <laughs> yeah I, i'm gonna i'm gonna do that second what, what i want to talk about first because i've got a bit more of a diatribe on that so <clears throat> so the first film that i saw was a film called see how they run um which is a <laughs> it's a sort of comedy set around a murder mystery so there's a play um in in london that's been running for like 60 70 years called the mousetrap by agatha christie um and it's one of those that's never really been adapted into into a film or anything and it's just always been in the same theater excuse me mousetrap with lee evans was a tremendous film how do you <laughs> i don't think that was called mousetrap was it was that mouse hunt that's a good question i can't confidently say so let's move on <laughs> yeah, I feel like I've thrown that back. Mouse hunt. Is yeah. mouse hunt? Right, okay. Yeah. Yeah, take that, Mark. Fine, your, whatever. Your so-called movie knowledge. <laughs> Probably oh, Garrett yes. hasn't seen Which Tribute. I anyway. Confidently claimed I am so well versed in. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Look, you're not Garrett, so you've seen Tribute. That's fine. Anyway, so see how they run. Um, it's basically a murder happens at the show about a murder mystery. Uh, and then the man that is sent to investigate it is Sam Rockwell um, and his bumbling sidekick Sir Ronan and they are both class like Sam Rockwell does like a pitch perfect like drunk British man in the 60s who's kind of given up on life with a fantastic moustache and Cersei Ronan is like just like this sort of brim, like brimming full of enthusiasm and energy and happiness um, like PC who's, who's who's just about to take her sergeant's exam so she's like super keen uh, and the pair of them sort of make their way through like this comedy uh, weird murder mystery thing um, it's not like a Knives Out style setup. it is a bit is a bit all over the place in the way that it's kind of delivered and you know the characters it has very much that old school murder mystery vibe like that it's set in the you know in the in the 50 like late 50s and there's uh like old school actors and actresses portrayed in here you've got like someone playing richard attenborough you've got somebody playing agatha christie herself a fantastic cameo from tim key which is a really odd choice to be like the police commissioner that they're uh, reporting into and it's just a very funny film like i don't want to say too much about the plot because i think the more i talk about the plot the more it kind of gives it away but uh sam rockwell if you didn't know it was him he just completely disappears into this role he's he's fantastic and i i don't know um, if I just if there is a film I just haven't seen it but I don't really think I've ever seen Cersei Ronan do any comedic roles like overtly comedic roles before and she was just such a natural at it like she was so so funny all the way through but like Lady Bird has some comedic elements yeah. to it but it's not a comedy no. yeah yeah it, yeah exactly like she takes herself and carries herself very seriously in that movie. Whereas mm. this, she's very much a sort of like larger than life, you know, I, I, I don't want to like, we've, we mentioned it a lot in the last few weeks, but it ha 
has elements of that sort of Frasier-esque French bedroom farce to it. Like there is a scene where everyone's running through different corridors trying to track each other down. And like there's scenes where they all kind of address each other by their titles rather than their names as they leave a room. So you just have like a list of like constable, inspector, inspector, chief, commissioner, blah, blah, blah. And bits and pieces like that that are all just done in that very old school sort of um, theatre style humour. But it's a very, very fun film. It's you know, it's not like going to change your life or anything. It is sort of like a seven and a half out of 10 at most, but I do think it's, it's worth going to see because it will definitely put a smile on your face. And yeah, just for, for Sam Rockwell and Cesarone and they're just absolutely class in, in the movie. So, um, have, have any of you seen it just out of interest before? No, but I think I'll watch it now with, with what you I said. really want to after listening to Mark Hermode's review of it. All right. What, what did he say about it? He was a huge fan. Yeah, I mean, it, it's impossible not to be a fan. Like, it's it's a really fun movie. Um, you just, yeah, you, it just put a smile on your face. It's, it's one of those types of things. Um, they, they've nailed it. They nailed the tone and everything. Oh, and Adrian Brody as well is in it, um, doing his, like, you know, sort of, like, New York-y, <laughs> Italian-American kind of shtick that he does, the same as he did in, in Peaky Blinders, but this time with a bit more of a smile on his face, and he's also very good in the movie. Um... Yeah, so the other film I saw is Clerks 3. Now. (laughs) (sighs) Now. uh, Me and Dave uh, have a lot of stuff in common. I think one of the the things that we bonded about super early um, that wasn't Mel Gear Solid was probably that we were both huge Kevin Smith fans, right? Maybe back like, what is this? like? Keyword doing a lot of work there were. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's fair to say from his sort of peak, um, of, of movie making and well, I guess kind of time probably hasn't done his films that the benefit of, of much good either. Uh, he's massively kind of fallen off in terms of his output. Um, and I guess some of the stuff that he's done might not have aged as well. He is probably one of the most, like, in terms of my intake of pop culture, one of the most important people in the development of my tastes. Yeah. Uh, in terms of one of the very first podcasts I ever listened to was Smodcast. Um, and, um, it was, yeah. It was pretty much just him and Ricky Gervais with a podcast when he first started that, right? Yeah. I, it was like, I think it was like I, the first podcast I subscribed to was probably Figure Four Daily. And then after that was probably Smodcast. Um, yeah. So like really formative and like the majority of his early films were at one point or another jostling for position in some of my favorite movies of all time. Mm. Yeah, completely feel the same way as well. Um, like massive fans, uh, a, mass- a massive fan of Chasing Amy, a massive fan of Dogma. Um, in terms of like wacky stoner comedies, absolutely loved the the first Jay and Silent Bob movie. Um, but then like Kevin Smith changed. There was like a drastic change in him. He made a film called Zach and Miri make a porno and it... Which I quite yeah, like. Yeah, which I think is good. And it, it wasn't a million miles away from a lot of the stuff that was coming around yeah. at that time. It, 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 yeah, it was just a bit too much him trying to do Judd Apatow, yeah. which, as has been pointed out, is very funny because when Judd Apatow showed up, he was trying to do Kevin Smith. Yeah, exactly. I think the thing that made it more Judd Apatow was that, you know, he let Seth Rogen, Liz Banks, and a lot of the people in the movie do a lot of their own shtick. 
um, he kind of changed his tune because he was always very sort of by the book guy. And like the more he lets those people run, the more it just reminds you of the exact thing Judd Apatow does, which is just let those people run in a lot of his scenes, like have an outline and let them kind of go. Uh, so you're getting the same people doing the same stuff in a sort of like raunchy comedy. Um, because it had the word porno in a title and for some reason um, he just steadfastly refused to remove it and just call it Zach and Miri. Uh, then- and because Miramax released it at Halloween. Yeah, but Miramax totally screwed him on it because he didn't want to make that change and they were like right well no cinema in the country is going to promote it like they were right as much as it as it is like as a creator like that must be really frustrating but america remains an extremely conservative um christian right-wing country in in a lot of its uh, a lot of its land mass so you can't have the word porno in the title of a movie and therefore they just released it whenever and didn't have any faith in it and it kind of broke him um and then he sort of took up smoking weed and moved more into his podcast. He did a good film called Red State, which I think is not a perfect movie. Um, it's it's like a strange... Sk- if, if you like uh, famous character actor Michael Parks, it's one of yeah. the best movies at just letting Michael Parks be Michael Parks. And John Goodman be John Goodman for the last half an hour as yeah. well. And uh, Michael Parks is genuinely chilling in that yeah. movie. And it ultimately led to an even better movie, which was Argo, directed by Ben Affleck, because Ben Affleck saw Red State and just stole half the cast for the movie, because he was like, man, all those people would be great in a movie that has a bit more of a budget and probably a little bit more consistent. And he was right, and Argo won Oscars, and it was a fantastic movie, right? But then after that, he just kind of rehash after rehash you know like another like he did like an animated Jay and Silent Bob movie and then there was just you know a movie about like he tried to do the red state scary thing again about a guy that makes someone into a into a walrus um, just a joke from a podcast and again it didn't really work and Yoga Hoses is one of the, the greatest travesties of cinema that's ever been committed to film. It's so horrendous. I couldn't even watch it. Uh, uh, Garrett, are you a fan of a bad cameo in a movie? Uh, do we mean bad cameos in So Bad It's Good or bad cameos in It's So Obnoxious I Want to Turn the Movie Off? Uh, it would depend. <laughs> because in, in, in Yoga Hosers, and he's in um, Tusk as well, briefly, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, is. he's better in uh, Tusk. Uh, Johnny Depp plays a an Inspector Clouseau type French detective called Guy Lapont. No, I'm on board yep. with that. <laughs> yep. Um, who who got roped in basically because Kevin Smith's daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter were best friends from like elementary school, and they both get cast as like the clerks in Yoga Hosers, who are also in Tusk as well, aren't they? Yeah, they like are. Like a yeah. bit part cameo. Uh, so Johnny Depp basically did uh, cameos in both movies for like the literal least you can actually pay a working actor in Hollywood. Yep. Things but you do for your he, children. He looked like he was having a blast. And in fairness, he only had to do one, but he came back to Guy Lepont in yeah. the second I, one as well. So, And I will say, in terms of... Um, cartoonish horrible Johnny Depp performances it's one of the least objectionable it's a long <laughs> yeah. list of them <laughs> yeah it certainly is nothing's happened with him since though Johnny Depp you know totally quiet time nope. in his life faded to obscurity exactly anyway so I kind of my confidence was because, and then there was the final Jay and Silent Bob reboot which is a reboot of the first Jay and Silent Bob movie which is like up its own ass meta to an insane degree and it 
it wasn't that good sadly um and again a film chocked full of insane cameos of people that really should know better um but kevin smith is a lovely lovely man and i think he had a heart attack and then people just kind of wanted to come and be in his movie like fucking chris hemsworth is in that jay and silent bob reboot movie um you know and in about three or four years if someone's on pointless and chris hemsworth is a category that is absolutely gonna be a pointless answer (laughs) unless one of the hundred people they ask is jack lazel um Um, you now dear listener because you're totally going to remember all of this anyway that leads us into clerks 3 so what i'm trying to set up is that my expectations as a former massive fan and now a lover of the man rather than his output was at an all-time low for clerks 3 and i can safely say that it was all right (laughs) 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 now there are parts there are parts of clerks 3 that i like um, I do think there's a really funny runner about Elias, who is the uh, junior fun employee of movies from Clerks 2. Uh, he He's back in, in Clerks 3 and, you know, it's a bit of a spoiler alert, but like Kevin Smith talks about it all the way through the build up. So it isn't really basically he, he based the early part of the story with Randall in the movie on his real life heart attack that he had. Um, so he gives Randall a heart attack and Elias says like a funny line where he's like, Oh, you know, I, I can't believe like Jesus would do this. You know, like if, if, uh, if Randall pulls through this, I, I'm going to renounce Jesus and worship Satan. So he pulls through it. So for the rest of the movie, uh, Elias is appearing in more and more gothic, ridiculous level clothing. Like at one stage, he's like dressed like Gerard Way. Another stage, he's dressed like Robert Smith. It's it is spectacular. Um, the the cost. It looked like all of the budget went on the costumes and hair pieces that Elias was wearing in the movie. Very funny running gag. Um, some of the dialogue is pretty funny some of the concepts like there's a you know thing about elias trying to get involved with crypto and making like satanic crypto and selling it to idiots on the internet and i'm like okay yeah this is cool like you know up-to-date humor and those are the things i like and, and the relationship in it and the acting between um <laughs> between jeff anderson uh and brian o'halloran as as dante and randall is fantastic it really is they've always had a brilliant chemistry on screen and that doesn't change but fuck's sake like the thing is after dante has his heart attack (laughs) i look got it got a little by the way but fuck's sake yeah after dante has his heart attack aside from like a really funny scene where they get loads of people in uh to audition like he decides to make clerks essentially so so randall's thing is he's going to make the movie of the movie that he broke out in and it is like I thought Jay and Silent Bob reboot was like sucking its own dick meta but this kind of takes it off the cliff of ridiculous where you're literally seeing them reshoot scenes from the first Clerks movie in Clerks 3 and you're seeing them redo the same lines the same dialogue like there's no change up they use the same locations because it's shot in the same quick stop and everything and you just sat there and you're like if this was just like a say like a two minute montage of them making the movie and then the rest of the movie was new movie around it it wouldn't it wouldn't be that jarring and it'd be like a nice little buzz of nostalgia but it is a good sort of like 15, 20 minutes of the movie just re- watching them reshoot scenes from the movie with no change or nothing or anything added to it. And that's just like, 
it, you just can't do that, man. And like, I can't imagine somebody watching this movie. Yeah, sure, you're probably not going to see Clerks fucking three if you didn't watch any of the other movies or didn't know much about Clevin Smith. But there are people that are being dragged to this movie now who are partners, who are friends, who are like, you know, just just mums and dads maybe that like of kids or like or kids of dads and mums who are going to see this movie with none of that context. Most of it is going to mean absolutely nothing to them. And like he was, I, the, th- <laughs> cool. the thing I was going to say about it is that like the people that that kind of ref like referential stuff would the people that would be most interested in that are the people who are the long term hardcore Kevin Smith fans. But we're also the people that have seen and heard that story be told over yeah. and over. Like once they did, what was the name of the documentary for Clerks X? Snowball, Snowball effect. effect. Yep. Once you've seen that, you're you're pretty much done with your making of clerk stories. Yeah. Yeah, not just that, but the fact that his own best friend, um, who is a very funny guest on the podcast back in the day, Malcolm Ingram, made a documentary about Kevin Smith last year called Clerk, where he talks about the making of Clerks as part of it and covers his heart attack. So if you saw that, like you don't need to see like ninety percent of this movie, essentially. Um but like it, it, it is funny in places. It is heartwarming. It is nice, but there's just so much empty space in here of, of of stuff that's just rehashed that we just we just don't need to see again. Like there's some nice stuff with Rosario Dawson um, and Brian O'Halloran as well. Like really nice scenes between the two of them that I I, I enjoyed. Um, there's a really yeah really funny scene in like the First Avenue Playhouse, which is actually where they did the original. Um, like cast auditions for clerks where you get like freddie prince jr ben affleck like bobby moynihan um just uh sarah michelle geller uh, like just it, it, all of the impractical jokers just like an insane like volley of like really famous people again who should probably all know better than to be in this movie but like all turn up again because kevin smith is a very nice likable person uh and people just tend to say okay then i'll do your silly movie to him but like the the fun things and the nice things and the well shot things and the emotional things in the movie don't make up for the fact that so much of it is just a bit of an empty shell and that sucks and I never wanted to get to the point where I felt this way about something that I formerly loved or, and a person that I like really I do still admire him for his output but I just think at this stage of his career like to be so <laughs> just to be so like devoid of kind of new ideas that you're just reshooting the first movie in the third movie that you're making and not necessarily even presenting it as a joke like in jay and silent bob reboot the joke was that it was a reboot and it was like a meta commentary on reboots whereas this isn't that um just yeah I, i i i enjoyed the parts of it that i enjoyed but ultimately i just kind of feel disappointed by it and and that's sad, um, yeah, because I, I really wanted to like this. I, I keep going into those Kevin Smith movies. And I'm like, oh, you know, maybe this, this one, the one. This will be the one. Maybe this one, like, I'll get back on, on the train of, of his output. But, you know, his, if you haven't heard his stories, they're brilliant. If you haven't listened to his podcast, like, they're brilliant. If you haven't seen some of his early movies, even still now, like, there'll be stuff in them that you'll enjoy. But it's just anything that's coming out from him now is just so so beyond creatively bankrupt at now, this point 
Now, Jack, if you want to tell me that his next movie is going to be about Walt Flanagan's action figure hustle, uh, <laughs> yes. I'll be there day one. Yeah, again, I'll be like, there day one. but that's a classic example of like, he's such a great storyteller. For somebody that's such a great storyteller, for somebody that could stand on a stage, if you didn't know anything about Kevin Smith and he rounded up some of his best stories and stood on a stage for an hour and a half and told them to you, you would love it because he's a fucking fantastic yeah. storyteller. Someone that's that good of a storyteller and like genuinely that talented as a writer where at some stage in their life they've had imagination and, and original thoughts and like developed really cool things. To see him where he is now just sucks so bad when so many of his contemporaries who came up in that sort of like mid-90s indie film thing have just progressed so far beyond him. Yeah. This is a guy who came up around like the same time as who is he? Tarantino, uh, Robert Rodriguez, Tarant- Richard Linklater. Del Toro. Uh, Linklater was slightly before him. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, loads of those. You name them of the nineties directors. Like yeah. and yeah, he was like there were people who were thinking he would be head of the class. Yeah, I think The Shape of Water oh, and God. Tusk came out in the same year, Dave, and that says a lot, really, doesn't it? Yeah, really does. Right, uh, let's move on. Garrett, talk to me about them squids. I am continuing to squid now, kid, now. I have finished the campaign, and I'm happy to report it is, like, far and away, easily the best, like, main game Splatoon campaign so far of, like, the, the three I, built-in I, ones. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop in with you on this, because the thing I've been playing this week is Splatoon 3. Lord above, it's a great fucking oh, game. That campaign, like, I don't want to spoil the final boss of that campaign, but it is incredible. Like, I, I could recount to you the sequence of events that leads to you fighting that final boss, and it will be the most ridiculous thing you will ever hear in your life. And it has a moment that you know is coming if you played Splatoon 1 or 2. You know that final boss is going to have a particular song, and you know exactly, even when you're like, playing it, you know exactly when that song is going to hit, and when it does, it's still utter magic. So, like, you text into the group this week about how much you were loving the campaign, and I was like, I'd played, like, one or two levels, and I was like, I mean, it's all right. Like, I've been doing a couple of levels on it, and it seemed, like, fairly linear. Like, you go to this, um, you go down this grate, and then you play a level, then you move on. Cool, cool, cool. But it wasn't until, like, you said, no, 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 you guys need to actually play through with it. And I got through, like, the bottom of the crater in the first area when... It really is revealed to you, like, how much there is to this campaign. I was like, oh. And I was saying to you guys that, like, Splatoon as a puzzle platformer, it's such a fucking obvious home run. And it... It's so clever. The little, like, you know, boss battles and all that aside and how much I think Big Man is, like, the best character <laughs> I've seen in months <laughs> in a game. Fucking love Big Man. Um, especially because in my head, I just always want to put on a Scottish accent on a Big Man every time I, I think about him. Um, but just the little... Just the little ideas for making puzzles and making you think about level traversal and things like that that... Uh, they put in in this and I'm still only in the first kind of like world once you get through the crater um, yeah it's just it's and that's before you even get into that it's still just a fucking 
just a great online multiplayer experience, which is not a phrase you will hear me say very often, my friends. Um, but it is. It's um, very like it's very yeah. Mario, you know, in terms of like we have yeah, this yeah. idea, we could have built a goddamn game around it, but no, it's one level and we've moved on. It's because like they have yeah. levels devoted to nearly all of the specials, like the grappling hook special. There's like two or three levels built around the splashdown special. There's a level built around the little octo robot thing you get into and shoot. There's a level built around. So like all of the specials have like levels built around them to show off those like skills and mechanics in ways that you'll because like when you pop them in the multiplayer, you get them for, you know, five, ten seconds tops. So you don't really get to like really delve into what you can do with the grappling hook in the game until they drop you into a, a level in the single player where it's like, well, this level is entirely built around grappling hook, grapple hooking from point to point. And that could have been a game. Like that feels so good. It mm. could have been a game. And it's just two or three levels. And there's so much stuff like that where it's just like that there is a level in the, the single player where there's just a giant Easter Island head and the sole task is to paint it. That's it. It's like paint the giant Easter Island head. That's it. And there's another where it's like there's a, a giant stack of boxes on one side and a, a solid object on the other, and you have to break the boxes to match the object on the other side. Yeah, I did that once today. I I didn't fully because I'm I'm sort of half paying attention to what's going on because I'm just like oh it's Splatoon and like the mechanics are gonna be simple enough that I'll figure it out. But at first I just had a whole bunch of boxes in front of me and I just started smashing into them and then I was immediately killed. I was like oh fuck. Right, I should have actually paid attention because I don't know what this wants me to do now. Um, but it's it's self-explanatory enough that you figure it out pretty quickly. You you mentioned Mario there, and I think specifically it's very Mario 3D World mm. in um, in that yeah that that kind of general idea of like a level is going to have one specific theme or gimmick, but it's going to make the absolute most out of that. And and I think like 3D worlds and 3D lands are like the epitome of Mario doing that sort of thing and I think that's a really, really strong comparison to make um, I'm I'm on like the fourth world at the moment and um, I if I recall I don't think I actually ever finished the campaign in uh, in Splatoon 2 uh, and I feel like and you might have to correct me if I'm wrong here but I feel like the campaign in in I can't even remember if Splatoon 1 has a campaign but I feel like um, they were more like action orientated um and didn't like do this sort of thing here where it was you know like let's use a specific weapon and build a level around that and and how to you know make a gimmick out of that or let's do some sort of like puzzle based thing um i feel like the the prior campaigns were more just about like hey just go through hordes of enemies maybe i'm wrong but i feel like that's the case because i feel way more engaged with this campaign in a way that, you know, I want to see it through to the end than I did with either of the last two campaigns. Yeah, because the first Splatoon was very much, it's a tutorial. You know, that it's meant to just teach you the basic mechanics of the game. Here's how you shoot enemies. Here's how you use weapon XYZ. They only had like five level templates that they repeated across the, what, three or four or five worlds, wherever it was. It was like, for what it was, it was a lot of fun, but it was ultimately very simple and straightforward. Splatoon 2 is where they were like, well, we can do a lot more with this. There's a lot of like movement options and cool stuff we can do with these things. Then if you play the the Octo expansion in Splatoon 2 is where like they just they went nuts. It's like, okay, 
So this is paid DLC, so we know the people that are buying it are like our diehards for the most part. Let's just go crazy and make these weird, hard, like the Octo expansion is really hard. And they just went nuts with the stuff. And like this is very much inspired by the Octo expansion where it's not quite as hard, though there is one level in the, the fifth world that I'm so looking forward to Mark getting to because it's just, it's one of those rail levels where you have to shoot all the targets, except there's no checkpoints. So it's it's like 60 to 90 seconds of just that. And well, that's a lot of fun um but yeah it's just it's there, there's so much creativity across all of those levels that and i think there's maybe 40 or 50 in the game across all of those and there's just so much cool stuff and i said the final boss is, is like full up there moment of the year for me it's just it's stupid in the best way and i loved it so much yeah, I honestly, I feel like um, the way it's going with Splatoon, this is probably going to, we don't really have like a category for like, you know, best surprise of the year or something like that. But I I had Splatoon 3 pre-ordered and I was I was looking forward to playing it, but I wasn't really thinking about it. And I think I mentioned um, last week, or maybe the week before, that I, I was kind of worried that um, I was going to jump back into it and maybe play it for like a week or so, but it was going to go the way of Switch Sports or, or Mario Strikers. But like between the campaign being way more fulfilling than whatever joke of a single player campaign that Mario Strikers has, um, you know, I've been jumping back into the multiplayer again and I feel like I haven't seen all the, of the levels and I don't feel like any of the levels I have seen so far have particularly stood out in any way, but it might just be I haven't seen all of them yet. But I've still just enjoyed jumping back into that multiplayer and enjoying what it is. And it's like, nah, I actually think I'm probably going to stick around with, with Splatoon for, for a while. And I was not expecting that a week ago. So yeah, the, the power of the squid. It's a, it's just, it's, it's a great game. And like it is, it I is. think that's why they know like they they cannot like add some big new shiny thing that's like this is the the brand new Splatoon experience, and they can just be like, it's more Splatoon, yeah. and you're happy with that because you dive into Turf War and you're like, oh this rules, and you dive into a uh, Salmon Run and you're like, mm -hmm. oh this still rules too, and then you play the entirely new yeah. single player and you're like, oh this is also better than it's ever been, and you're like. It you didn't need to reinvent the wheel. You just needed to, like, you know, polish that some bitch up. And a I bit. understand, like, it, it must be a weird game to review because, like, on its merits by itself, nine out of ten game, slam dunk, no question. But if you're like, well, compared to the last one, if you played Splatoon 2 and jumped to Splatoon 3, how do you then rate it? And I think that's a difficult question to answer. But also, this game, just on its merits for what it has in its own package, it just kicks ass. Splatoon rules. God, it is yeah, so I get good. final boss of that. I cannot overstate how like just utter joy that was <laughs> was caused within me by that final boss. And like Splatoon one in particular has the moment where Calamari Incantation plays, and you basically defeat DJ Octavio through the power of song. And like that set a pretty high bar. This one has like taken that bar and just shoved it astronomically further in the sky. Like they, I, I don't know how they can do another single player campaign and top that final boss again. The one thing I will say in terms of the single player campaign and in terms of the overworld, so for anyone who hasn't played it yet, um, you're collecting these power eggs um, each level and throughout the world you've got um, these kind of like areas that are covered in this sort of goop that looks very similar to the, the goop that you would see in Super Mario Sunshine. And you can't I was thinking it's it's kind of like half of between that and the Ganon Blight in yeah, Breath of the Wild. Yeah, there's a little bit of that as well, yeah. Um, and you can clear these areas um, individually by, you know, the power eggs that you can you collect throughout the levels. 
and perhaps there is a way that if you do the levels in the right set in the right order and you you know don't fail anything and you clear these areas in the right order that you never have to replay a level but i have found that the i've had to grind a little bit like back with certain levels like going back because i don't have enough power eggs to clear the area that i'm in and that's kind of brought the pace down a little bit in a way where i would have much preferred like just that there are a finite amount of eggs that you need to collect that can be collected and you'll always have enough eggs to clear out the area instead of having to go back and uh and like grind in, in prior levels. And I wish that it would do something like, cause there are, you know, there are balloons in the overworld that you can collect some like, um, uh, like extra power eggs and stuff. So that's kind of brought the, the pace down a little bit for me that, that isn't like a deal breaker, but it's frustrating enough that um, it's it's the one thing that I've I found with the game that's, uh, that's annoyed me. I will say, you know, my absolute hatred of arbitrary roadblocks. But I managed to go yes. through the entire campaign without having to replay a level. I, I, I had like 15, 20,000 power eggs left over by the time I beat the campaign. So uh, did you did you clear out like the entire areas? Like, oh, yeah, I, I played anywhere. every level every time. Like, I, I'm like, I do not want to miss a level of this game because I think they're really good. Oh, I don't know what the fuck then that's uh, that, that I'm doing wrong <laughs> that you figured out. But yeah, you are a better <laughs> squid than I am. I've always said that about Garrett, actually. <laughs> there is that level in World Fucking 5 that, that I did squid. die often enough to end up, like, farming, I think, about 2,000 power ranks out of because I spent, like, like, I think the entire campaign I spent, like, four, four and a half hours on, and I spent, like, 90 minutes to two hours on that one level, which, by the way, the word of the wise, you don't have to beat every level. You only have to beat as many levels as to get as many power ranks to advance, but you should beat every level because the levels are great. Yeah, I want to beat every level. Yeah. Oh, I love Splatoon. It's Nintendo's coolest game. And like the, the Miiverse integration stuff and all the like Queen is Dead jokes and all the fun stuff you get with Splatoon. It was literally the first thing I saw when I went in there. Because it was like, like two days after the game launched. So what's going to yeah. happen? It's going to be a bunch of like surprisingly inclusive, like everyone's welcome here. And haha, the Queen's dead. That's the two things you yeah. get from Splatoon. It, it, it is like incredible just how... Um, how it has become sort of like the inclusive game um it's yeah it's and like as well the um it's what like the the best-selling game in japan in god knows how long sold like three million copies ever uh it's it's ridiculous it is the fastest selling game in the history of japan it sold three and a half million copies in its first weekend like that means splatoon is a bigger franchise than animal crossing it's a bigger franchise than monster hunter it's a bigger franchise than pokemon in japan that's ludicrous yeah it's just yeah fair fair play to them wait till scarlet and violet come out son (laughs) (laughs) um what have you been playing, Mark? Uh, so I've been still playing Rogue Legacy 2. I spoke about a couple of weeks ago. In that time, I've sunk about another 20 hours into that fucking thing. And it's at the point now where I can definitely say uh, it's a very, very solid roguelite. Um, it, it's clearly riffing from elements of Hades and Dead Cells, but it doesn't hit the highs of, say, like the narrative uh, and and the kind of world building that Hades does, and it certainly doesn't hit the highs of Dead Cells in terms of like the biome uh, world design and the the combat. But it finds a nice balance between the two, where it still stands out on its own. It still brings everything that it is from like the original Rogue Legacy, and just makes this really really polished 
Rogue Legacy 2, um, where you know you've got a whole bunch of different classes to pick from like i i thought there was only going to be about five or six classes of the sort of typical uh sort you know like a knight and uh there's a boxer um and you think like whatever but then you know there's uh, a character who basically like creates these mini galaxies that just just absolutely destroys anything in your path um and you know all of the different classes have their different ways that you have to approach combat um but also you know every time you start a new run it'll give you three three classes to pick from and each of those classes will have their own traits as well so uh you might have one of the classes you can pick that will gain you extra gold you can collect throughout the levels and if you're trying to like hoard a, a lot of gold because there are a lot of upgrades from health armor uh your weapons um, you can increase the size of the bank. So if you have any leftover gold before you start a new run, it will collect that. There's there's so many things that you can um, upgrade. So you do need to play a bit of the game where you are just focusing on trying to collect as much gold within the levels as you can. And uh, yeah, I just I you know it's got that one more run kind of vibe to it. And uh, you know like a, a run can last anywhere up to an hour if you're trying to cut discover as much of the, the map as you can and uh, it's getting pretty tough I think I've got like two bosses two biomes left to do um, and then you know whatever the, the end of the game looks like but you know if you do like roguelites it is uh, it's a really really solid one um, again if you come off the back of say like a Dead Cells or a Hades uh, I don't think there'll be anything here that you haven't seen before um, but you know, if you haven't played one in a while and you've got a hankering for one, I've been playing it on, on, uh, what version am I playing? I'm playing on the Epic Game Store, but if you, uh, I imagine this would be perfect for the Switch to, to kind of boot up, play for 10, 15 minutes at a time. So yeah, uh, I'd say that's worth checking out. The other thing I started playing last week is Midnight Fight Express, which is, uh, this is on Game Pass and it's kind of... It's got a little bit of a Hotline Miami slash John Wick vibe to it, but channeled through uh, the sort of Arkham Asylum combat where you're running through these levels. They're, they're very, very short levels, like no more than five minutes at a time uh, using kind of a, an isometric view. And you've just got, you know, like hordes of enemies coming towards you that you're trying to get through to get to the end of the level. Um, but using that sort of Arkham Asylum combat of you have to focus on your parries and you have to focus on dodging and then getting your strikes in. Um, so it's not quite the, it's not like a sort of a, a Turtles in Time or Streets of Rage beat em up. It's a little bit more tactical, a little bit more methodical. Um, and, you know, you have different weapons that have different uh, types of uh, attacks and whatnot so you know you'll have enemies that are much heavier so you have to plan your attacks differently you might want to try and use a weapon on them you have enemies that have like knives or guns so you have to try and dodge them accordingly to be able to take them down and uh it's it's pretty decent you know i wouldn't say it's it's doing anything that feels particularly memorable it doesn't have the there's kind of like a ch chess 
puzzle rhythm action mechanic vibe to Hotline Miami and also just the, the overall aesthetic to Hotline Miami that this doesn't really get and also the, the writing in this game is, is just dreadful it is it's video game writing uh, it's very very poor but it's got it's got the soundtrack down like it's the kind of game that has that that techno soundtrack that if you just put some headphones on and, and whack it the volume up um you will get that that adrenaline that vibe to it and certainly when you pick up like a, a gun and you start laying down enemies that sort of original that you know if you remember the first time that you watched john wick and like when he goes into the the nightclub and just starts just laying waste to russians everywhere you do get a kind of similar like feeling and a vibe to it from that so um i think it's the kind of thing if you wanted to do the garrett kidney approach to it a good 15 minutes you will understand what this game is and you will know uh if you want to stick with it i don't know if i will i think there's like 40 levels again the levels are quite short uh, and it definitely um is honing in on this sort of replayability where there's a score that you can get at the end of the level and um you know you want to try and focus on trying to do the levels taking uh, the least amount of hits that you can and trying to complete the level as quickly as you can uh and you know so it has like you know the sort of devil may cry s ranked tier sort of system but it's, it's pretty good, and it's on Game Pass, so it's worth checking out for that. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I will stick with it. I've, I've been more compelled to play other stuff um, between Rogue Legacy. I, I've been meaning to go back to Immortality, um, but I'm finding that game, the more I play it, the less I want to play it. Um, but that's something maybe we'll talk about next week. Um, but yeah, Midnight Fight Express is pretty cool. One more Splatoon thing. There's a Mario uh, sunshine boss fight throwback that's very good stuff because people have always, are always compared it to mario Ooh. sunshine because of like the squirty squirts but there's like a direct mario sunshine boss reference down to like colors of ink that's like ah i see what you did um, there moving into the news and mark we have to start off things on down note we hate to see big layoffs happen um but my god it felt like a real culling of staff over at future this week i mean not just future there's been a bunch of places this week uh it's it's been a bit of a bloodbath but uh yeah uk media outfit future announced a series of layoffs across its publications uh, despite and this is the very very frustrating part despite the high profit margins forecast for the end of the month while the extent of the layoffs is uncertain, editorial staff across brands including Tech Radar Gaming, Android Central, Windows Central, and iMore have been affected. Uh, Future said in a Twitter statement, with the current climate and addressing these challenges, it was a very difficult decision for I'm us to sure make. It was. Did did I read that they're on course for actually their their best projections ever for profit? Earlier this week, Future reported that it expects full year profits to land between two hundred and sixty nine and two hundred and seventy one million at the end of September. With CEO Zilla being formed, telling investors that the company is pleased to report another what? period of good progress. Sorry, give, give us that person's name again. Uh, Zilla Bing Thorn. Absolute bond villain. <laughs> During the first half of the, during the first half of the fiscal year, the firm reported a forty eight percent uptick in revenue growth to four hundred and four million. Like, here's the thing, though. It's like it's not the four hundred and four million that's the thing there anymore. It's the forty eight percent. That's what they're looking at. Yeah. It's not about yeah. revenue. It's not about profit. It's about growth. So when they look at like we've had this percentage increase this year, can we sustain that next year? The answer is nearly universally no. 
Like if you have a period of high growth, yeah. the next period might be down, might be flat, might be like normal, uh, reasonable for a normal company. But like the, the, we are in such a yeah. growth obsessed world that they're like the only way we can uh, sustain. Line, line the goes only up. way this can be sustained is by reducing costs. And that involves laying people off, even though we're in a position where we don't need to. It's just all it's just like the monster that is endless positive growth. And just just to put the uh, the cherry on on the top of this particular uh, cake, in April, a Press Gazette report also unveiled that Future has the largest pay discrepancy between average employees and executives, with CEO pay landing two hundred and forty times higher than the median employee salary. I'm sure they're taking pay cuts, right, Mark? I'm sure they're. It's like they're feeling the the pain of these difficult decisions too, right, Mark? <laughs> So I uh, hmm. I have had two subscriptions to both Retro Gamer and Edge, and uh, look, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I'm Joe Schmuck. It doesn't matter for much, but I was just like, you know, what? I I can't in good consciousness continue these subscriptions, so I uh, I cancelled mine. Um, but yeah, just like between this and it is kind of like you know we were talking earlier about the um, the Venn diagram that is us and wrestling, but. Uh, how many times do we hear of uh, WWE having, you know, like uh, a record-setting quarter for growth and profits, uh, and then this is immediately followed by them axing 20, 30 wrestlers? Um, it's just, yeah, it's it's fucking appalling, and uh, the, the <laughs> this will continue into our next story as well. I'm sure so, if you looked yeah. at some mission statement somewhere or some about us section on the website, you will see one of these places being like. We consider our employees a family, which is the reason we yeah. cut them loose at a moment's notice. Do you want to hear something funny about Zilla being thought as well? Like, her base salary is 575k, but last year she earned a million pound bonus and seven million pounds in shares in the company. So, you know, she could basically get paid zero because she'd end up picking up eight million pounds in additional, you know, over target earnings profits. Um, and that's how they get you. Like this, the pay for CEOs and extremely wealthy people in these companies is never particularly that high. Like the base salary, all of their money is like over target earnings. It's all bonuses. It's all share things. Uh, it's parts of companies that they don't really necessarily deserve, but they get given. How much did friend of the show Bobby Kotick take home last year in just shares and bonuses alone? Yeah, I mean, like, he makes Bing Thorne look like an absolute peasant compared to him, but still, yeah. He, like, his base salary probably could have been zero for, like, decades, and he'd still be a billionaire, so let's not get on to him. The cynical thought here, Jack, could be, maybe these people are laying people off to insure their bonuses next year. Hmm. (laughs) Maybe that's a bad incentive structure right there, one might think. Hmm. No, Garrett. No, Garrett. You're got. You're crazy. That's full Pepe <laughs> Sylvia. You're you're nuts, nuts. I can't imagine these noted philanthropists <laughs> in executive <laughs> positions in these companies would ever do such a thing. Because it's really like a family mm. there. But like I don't. I, I, I just to you know I don't want to go into a full on um, sort of revolution type of like rant going on here, but between this and by all means, Mark. you know everything that's been going on over the last couple of months, certainly in the UK with uh, the the train strikes we've been having, and um, you know uh, overall gangster geezer Mick Lynch, you know very much galvanising uh, the working man in the UK. I feel like at some point, you know, we've got. 
there's a big march happening here on the 24th of, of September that I'm going along to in Dublin uh, with people before profits because um, of everything going on with like the gas and electricity companies making obscene amounts of money uh, and you know uh, expecting us to fucking uh, deal with it with no windfall taxes but you know like there's there's some sort of revolution that's going to come along. So at some point there is a breaking point if it hasn't already occurred where like shit is going to go down. Anyway, um, on a, an extremely related note, Jack, uh, Tencent has also been getting in on the sacking craze. Yeah, I guess um, obviously Tencent, among many tentacles and things that they own in video games, they own Fanbyte, uh, the video games news and media company and this week there were also a similar amount of layoffs from from them really not too dissimilar in tone to the story that mark just read you one thing that i did quite enjoy was that somebody managed to tweet out from the official fanbyte media account you didn't take all the keys from us motherfucker before it was (laughs) (laughs) before it was deleted swiftly i think after they did it um but there was like one like last act of defiance from them but yeah uh uh, this week um on the 15th of september so so just yesterday loads of the um fanbyte employees uh, including the editor in chief of the site, um, John, John Warren, like they they all were announcing publicly on Twitter that they've been laid off, and that they were going to take some time away and and figure out what's going on. But um, yeah, G- just a, another similarly sad story about like an G four was also gutted this week. Yep, G four two. Yep, G four TV. Yep, another layoff. Yeah, it's uh, horrible. A lot of talented people out in the out in the the open now. I'm sure they'll hopefully get snapped up, but it shouldn't have to keep coming to this. <laughs> they might all start their own, you know, individual like thing, or they might all glum together, make a company that gets bought out by another one of these sort of like mega capitalist entities, and is gutted in the same way. Like, but, like uh, you mentioned, yeah. like spinning off to make their own thing. I do think that's ultimately where all this is going. Or it's like instead yeah. of these corporately owned entities, of which like the likes of GameSpot or, or yeah, GameSpot and, and IGN will probably hoover up most of the the big capital there. I think more and more people are going to go like the the Easy Allies route or the MinMax route or like Giant Bomb, which are all like directly fan funded as opposed to corporately supported. Jack, can, can I just see on there for a second? Garrett, are you an Easy I'm Allies not, guy? But I. Oh, I thought you were. I thought we were about to be kindred spirits there. I consume there. occasional amounts of their content, but I wouldn't call them. I'm a min-max guy. I, I consume a lot of min-max content. Ah, but. yes. I, I know you're a min-max guy. Um, I, I will say for people out there, if you are fans of uh, movies, uh, the Easy Allies movie podcast, Reaction Shots, is very, very good. But I do think the media space is going to move more and more toward that directly, like, like fan-to-creator funded, as opposed to the middleman of these corporations that fire people on a whim. Is there not a concern though that the the spread of these um, creators and these you know publications, whatever you want to call it, is going to be spread just a little bit too thin? Um, where you know, kind of like say with music, where you know the floodgates were open with the internet, and now um, you know independent artists were able to get their music directly to the consumer. But the problem with that is it meant that there were you know thousands of independent artists hundreds of thousands of independent artists trying to do the same thing um and as a result like not a lot of money was actually being able to kind of go around because no one could actually break through you'd have the occasional artist that would break through um 
And it's kind of the concern that unless you have that back in there to, you know, like Dan Riker is set for life. If he didn't want to come back to Giant Bomb and he just did his own Patreon thing and Twitch streams, he's fine. Also, you know, with that guy's Forrest Gump-like life, he would just stumble <laughs> into another dream career. Would like him and uh, him and Jeff Jarrett always winning or losing up, you know? Honestly, yeah. honestly. Um, but yeah, that would be my concern with some of like maybe the lesser profile uh people in the industry who are you know no doubt as talented and probably more talented than dan Riker in certain like professional settings in terms of journalism and whatnot but mm, uh, no disrespect to one of the great madmen of the no internet disrespect to d right god bless yeah, him there's always going to uh, be winners and losers yeah. and it'll it will never it's not a meritocracy now and it, it never will be and that's the unfortunate fact of any yeah. industry it's never a meritocracy yeah but just yeah. moving away from the instability of these people working for outlets. Like, I know Elise Favis was one of the people laid off this week, who was one of the people laid off by Game Informer, like, a few years ago. And it's just going through that cycle. Imran Khan, another one, who who went through that exact same yeah. cycle. These people just moving from outlet to outlet, which then, like, cruelly just lays them off. Uh, it was like it was he was saying it was the second straight time where he was up all night, did an all nighter, literally did not sleep trying to hit a deadline, made the deadline and then got fired he's immediately. In Tokyo. He's in Tokyo. He's like he's in another country. He's over at TGS. So like And they fired I, him. I had I had like a five year period where I was generally like, yeah, games journalism, that's where I want to be. That's where my career, you know, will end up. And maybe I might have had some creative fulfillment, but at the same time, thank fuck I didn't go down that route because just. I know one in particular that we used to talk about that literally you would have got a bullet within about three months because Mark very nearly worked for somewhere that fucking cratered right after he said no to them. Yeah. Yeah. fucking hell yeah (laughs) definitely dodged the bullet on that one fucking hell yeah um right moving on uh every single game in the world got announced and some of them weren't even yakuza games none Uh, of them are yakuza games yeah none of them are yakuza games anymore dave thank you very much (laughs) yeah i guess true true um but yeah so all that i mean uh there's just so much. <laughs> Why did we uh, randomly do like crucially in September? Business. Why did like Ubisoft, Nintendo, all all of the TGS the f- people, Disney are like, let's do a game showcase? Yeah. yeah. And like, but I again, haven't seen Jeff Keighley anywhere this week. Like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Uh, he got laid off just, by Tencent. <laughs> just, yeah, it's just absolute chaos. Fucking Pikmin 4 is out there. Um, and fitness got- boxing, Fist of the North Star, most crucially. Thank you very much. Blaze Blue, uh, new Street Fighter, new Tekken, uh, <laughs> fucking, of course, like, we're, we're building up to the main event here, but we had, like, a uh, trailer for, a new trailer for Ragnarok, that's looking fucking That was an boss. awesome trailer, wasn't it? Uh, I haven't awesome even played trailer. the while I played, like, uh, three hours of the first, and I'm like, fuck, that trailer looks amazing. Uh, and Breath of the Wild sequel, let's fucking Tears go! Of the Kingdom, uh, which, uh, people had to, co- to confirm with Nintendo because people were like, what if it's Tears of the Kingdom? It's like, no, it's Tears. But it's like, yeah. but what if it's Tears? It's like, Nintendo were like, no, it's Tears. Dave Ryan. Didn't for a sing- yeah. 
all the first three Mario Party games now on Nintendo Switch. Come on now. Yeah, yeah. And t- 1080 snowboarding. Yeah, I keep yeah. Every time you've brought that up this week, I've got and 1080 snowboarding <laughs> uh, and Pilotwing 64 and Excitebike 64. Can you play the Mario Party games they online? They will be online, yeah. Oh, guys, know. guys, hold on, hold on, guys. Goldeneye. Goldeneye. Yeah, I know. This, <laughs> yeah. this is the craziest I thing. Forgot like they just they fucking dropped Goldeneye like in the middle of this Nintendo yeah. Direct. It just it just reminded me of that like uh is it the Jared Jade Sexton tweet that went viral? It's like they just tweeted it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I worked for years on this story and they just tweeted it. It's so like, do, like do, do Nintendo like not see Goldeneye to the the, the 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 kind of level of reverence that I don't know a lot of people do? Maybe not. I don't fucking know because you know they did end with fucking the Breath of the Wild sequels. They might that. just fucking they might just fucking resent being annoyed about it for twenty years and like. Here you fucking go. Here's your slop. They gave it like us. a little one more thing treatment in a Nintendo Direct. You can't be like, oh, they shoved it. If yeah. they just tweeted it, you'd be like, what the hell? So it's coming to Switch and Game Pass, but uh, the wrinkle is that only the Switch online version is going to have the online multiplayer. But then the Game yeah. Pass version um, is uh, going to be like 4K up in 4K. I get why that ha- that ended up happening because like the the online is Nintendo side, that's emulator side and the NSO. That's that's where the online is coming from there. But also it's yeah. such a weird splitting of hairs. It's like fancy version Xbox, online version Nintendo, but they're both on like the respective equivalent of yeah. free services or, or and this is the thing, I you know, I, I have both, so I'm yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. I'm I was gonna, gonna say, look, and it's like it's not the longest campaign. I got no objections playing through that thing twice, so we're good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we didn't mention theatrhythm, 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 however you pronounce it. There's there's a reason for so, that. Garrett. The third version. Because none of us can yeah, figure so, out. So it. like <laughs> a month ago I sent a message to the group chat being like, I have loaded up theatrhythm in on the 3DS so I can buy the Live Alive socks in it. Which tells you <laughs> my sickness with that game. Like there's two versions of yeah, that game yeah. on 3DS. I bought both of them. There's shitloads of DLC, all the songs are a dollar a piece. I do not want to tell you how much money I've spent on this game. And they revealed this game plus its premium edition plus its super premium edition the super premium edition of which costs 109 euro and i've already pre-ordered it <laughs> oh my god i have a oh, is it your turn for an intervention i need i do i need a final fantasy theater the intervention i need people to stop me because like they released the kingdom hearts one last year that was just you know a game May- maybe we could maybe we could like uh kill two birds at one stone and mark could come down and in case your bank card in PSPs. <laughs> yes. so Keep us away from each other. God, I, I have a sickness yeah. when it comes to that game. When they announced it, I was like, I'm going to spend a stupid amount of money in that game and I'm fine you're, with it. Also, Octopath. You're legitimately the only person I've ever heard talk about that game. It's, it's a Final Fantasy <laughs> rhythm game. It's like right up my street. Also, Octopath Traveler 2 on board with and also a new Fire Emblem also on board with. Yes, yes, yeah. and... Um, but which of the 45 uh, farming games are you going to download? But multiple farming games. Uh, Suikoden, the first two Suikoden games, are getting the HD 2D treatment. Oh, the most treatment. important one. Remember when I had that um, uh, Octopath Traveler text generator on Twitter, where it, it came up with yes. nonsense titles from Square Enix? Somehow, they created a new one uh, that even was beyond satire when they released the game called Various Daylife. <laughs> 
<laughs> Which, yeah. Even by Square Enix standards, even by this has been memed to the extent that a text generator has been created for Twitter, they've still topped themselves with various day life. <laughs> Stupid. I love that company. It's so dumb. One of my favorite, like, um, short clips on Twitter of like a reaction to a game announcement in years is um, kind of funny's reaction to when Octopath Traveler originally got announced, where it's like 90 seconds of their hype increasing, increasing, increasing. And when the title flashes up on the screen, because at the time it was Project Octopath Traveler, it wasn't just Octopath Traveler. And when Project Octopath Traveler comes up, they just fucking pissed themselves <laughs> laughing and the clip ends with the going why is that the name though <laughs> my favorite thing is both times they're like project octopath traveler and project triangle strategy and then it's like no they're they're just the names <laughs> we just yeah, dumped yeah, the front yeah. they should have called it project various daylight <laughs> yeah it's 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 not like nintendo back in the day where it's like project dolphin and project eternity and stuff like that and the actual product ends up being um something completely different what was it switch was project project mm-hmm. nx um shit like that it's like no this is just we just drop project when it's out that's dropping the word project is like our version of saying okay it's in 1.0 yeah, now you have like every assassin's creed game under the sun being released now there's like seven of them there's so many assassin's creed you also had like the disney thing which was absolutely terrible one of the worst presentations you'll ever see but it did have that amy hennig game that it's like captain america and black panther and that looks cool yeah. Like, I don't know why. I, I'm fair enough, it's TGS. That's part of the reason why. That's why Nintendo and Sony went this week, at least. But, like, why Ubisoft and why Disney and all them were like, let's just do E3 in September. Sure. Yeah. Fucking 46 Assassin's Creed games. Can I say, can yeah. I say, I know I've been burned before in terms of my expectations, but I, I think I'm on board with Street Fighter 6. Ooh, fighting games uh, are bad. Uh, no, I, so first of all, Garrett, because I need to have a word with you about mm-hmm. this, right? You're wrong, right? There are good fighting games out there. They're just the way that they're presented, and I, you know, I, I don't give a shit for Evo or anything so like that. I, I wouldn't go full uh, Garrett burn down everything. <laughs> all fighting games are bad, but I'm definitely on the... I, I don't really like fighting. No, like, not uh, yeah, really yeah. like, but I don't really play fighting games ever. That's fine. Now, now that I've become more of an RPG guy, I think I would say fighting games are like the one genre I don't really play at all anymore. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, you know, there was a time when I did play fighting games a fair amount, but there's now just, uh, there's only, you know, a finite amount of time that we all have. But like, I enjoyed the, the Mortal Kombat reboot. I think that did a solid job of presenting a single player campaign um, that, you know, still wraps around like a really engaging um, uh, kind of combat system. And I will play any Tekken game because yeah, just uh, Tekken's always been my jam. But I do think that A, I- You love fucking dudes into volcanoes. Uh, it's, look, it's gotta be done. I beat but I do Tekken think when that- we were in Cardiff, by the way. Just that is that true, he did. He, he <laughs> absolutely wrecked me. Yeah. Did 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 Mark at any stage during your holiday tell you about the one time me and him played No, no. Mercy? No, he was too busy beating me in our five star classic at SmackDown <laughs> two. He he beat the holy hell out of me in uh in No Mercy for minutes upon end, was playing with his food, and then made one mistake and I got him in a roll up and won and since that day I have refused to ever play him again again at No Mercy. I gave the crowd what they want. All right. I, I have a perfect one and oh record <laughs> that he's never going to take away from me. <laughs> But um, I think the sort of like FIFA Street aesthetic for some reason is really vibing with me. And like this game is set to have uh, like a world tour. It's got a single player campaign. 
Um, and I don't know if that's just based off of the fact that, you know, a lot of the feedback, a lot of the criticism of Street Fighter Five is the lack of that. Um, you know, mm. your, your purists out there would say, fuck you, that's not what Street Fighter is about. But I will say to them, fuck you, I want to play and enjoy Street Fighter and I have to do with you fuckers online. So I, I think that this feels like it's getting a, a balance um, uh, yeah. of, of both. And, you know, they had the announcement of Tekken 8 as well. And uh, everyone looks fucking ginormous in that game. So I don't know if that's just like what working in Unreal 5 does, but uh, just, yeah, <laughs> everyone looks massive. And I'm here. Are you for saying it. they've all been on the gas? I pff, somewhat fierce, yeah. Uh, one thing I love as well on the stuff that we're seeing around Tokyo Games Show this week is that uh, people are getting to play the AEW game. Yeah. And the amount of clips that are making it to Twitter that are all of the various wrestlers in the game doing their finishing move on CM Punk. <laughs> it is, it's a good bit. It's a good bit and I enjoy it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The last one I saw before we logged on here was uh, someone doing uh, a choke slam with no more BS Paul White on uh, on CM Bunk. Ah, <laughs> uh, good times. It's kind of mad uh, that Big Show is in that game and slash, like, it is kind of mad to remember that Paul White is employed by AEW because. Yeah, I, it seems like they've forgotten. I constantly forget that that's a thing. Uh, this seems like something that would be up your street, Mark, if it expands to other platforms as well. Um, Is it Hollow Knight? Yeah, I'm really well, looking well, they did announce Hollow Knight. Well, we're getting... They did. Yes. They didn't announce a fucking date, but they did announce it as no. a PlayStation. <laughs> your long suffering <laughs> continues. Oh, my God. Uh, no, I was going to say that, um, you know, you have a thread on Twitter.com. Uh, slash uh, Lithium Project this year of all the games that you are beating. Indeed. Um, and in that vein, uh, the Xbox app on PC is getting integration with How Long to Beat, which is a great little service. It is wonderful. That, uh, that tells you how long it will take to complete to 100% a game um, that has saved me many times in the past from over committing to games I'm, I, I, I don't have the time for. Um yeah, I feel like, yes, it's limited that it's, you know, the Xbox app on PC uh, and it's going to give you your, your statistics alongside the how long to beat times and shit like that. But uh, you got to think, Mark, this is like the start of maybe that expanding to to other things. If it's on the Xbox app for PC, you can't imagine it's a quantum leap to get it integrated with xbox proper no i i feel like it's probably um like uh, a trial they want to see kind of how it works if it makes any impact positive and negative because there are two ways you can look at this like us you know cultured men we can uh, see this and see that a game is going to take like three hours to beat and be like son of a bitch let's do this where on the other hand, you might have someone that will see that a game is like three hours and be like, oh, that's just not enough content for me. I want to go play fucking Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Um, so it will be interesting to see how the uh, how th that those patterns swing uh, with this, this kind of thing in mind. But it's a tremendous tool. I, I use it a lot of the time. Um, Certainly when I'm looking at games that I'm hearing that are, are getting a bit of buzz, uh, I do want to go and see. And if, you know, if they're over 20 hours, I'll kind of um and ah about it. But if the, the you know, the appraisers is, is strong, then you got to bite the bullet on it as he looks at his copy of Elden Ring behind him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that I can see being incorporated into other platforms. I'd have to imagine that there's probably some sort of... Um, 
uh, like add on or whatever for like Steam that it will automatically give you like how long to be or maybe the I, maybe the info's on there already. I don't know, uh, but yeah, it's a it's a really cool feature to add on there. It's a great way to make yourself feel inadequate as well because you know how long does it take to beat ten hours and you're like fifteen hours in and you're like oh I suck. I, 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 by the way, just uh, in a in a, a wrestling update I'm seeing here, uh, if anybody's wondering how the GCW show in the UK is going tonight, I'm seeing uh, Gareth from the Grapple app tweeting, it's made me question if I actually like wrestling. Uh, so I'm, guessing that. I'm guessing that's similar uh, to the uh, ICW show in Dublin that an, we went to. Uh, yeah, another banger from the Game Changers. Mm. Well, if you um, if you go see Jimmy Lloyd live, this is what to expect. Uh, well, I do know. Uh, apparently, Millie McKenzie did the honors and jobbed for Ali Catch tonight on the program. So, uh, as I can see, Mark wincing in I, horror no, there. I, it's best, I couldn't care either way about either of them. So, um, Garrett, let's round this out. You are a man, a cinematic connoisseur. I know you have been counting down the days till you get to see. Gran Turismo <laughs> on celluloid. Yeah, there's a little part of me that sees this story about Orlando Bloom joining David Harbour in this Gran Turismo movie. Which is directed by because Neil Blomkamp, of course by the way. it is. It's going to be some dystopian sci-fi <laughs> Gran Turismo movie, of course. Yeah, yeah. Gran, Gran Turismo, one of the cars is being driven by Chappie. I hope it's just, like, cars, as in the Disney movie, and they just put Orlando Bloom's face on a car. He plays the car. <laughs> Oh, I hope they called David Harbour oh, David Carber in the movie. World-class marketing. Orlando Bloom, Orlando Vroom. Orlando Vroom Vroom. You're saying Orlando Bloom basically should be a talking car, so yeah. what does that make him? Shite rider? Like, I don't... <laughs> I don't know why anyone would want to watch that. But I also want to watch it. I've, so. I've never, like... Does it Grand Trismo have a story mode? Has it ever no, had a story mode? No, no, I don't think it does. No, I love it if they spend half an hour on just you getting the licenses at the start. So of the I, game. I played the Gran Turismo Seven, right, and I played through so the single player campaign, to. and all it is is basically a bunch of guys telling you about cars that you think they might want to fuck by how much they enjoy talking about these Listen, cars. Listen, if the that car is, is Orlando Bloom, I might want to fuck it, Mark. That's just... You know what? I get it. He he is quite the himbo. I get it. I watched Lord of the Rings. I understand. I, you know, watched Pirates of the Caribbean Did back Did you in see the how jacked David Harbour was in Stranger Things? He, he oh, is. That man would be like a super Taylor. fuckable car. He's he's getting ready for that next uh, Marvel film that he's in. You know, he's anybody remember the the PlayStation Four launch event where that guy came out to talk about Drive Club and the vibe was definitely he, he's shagged a few cars <laughs> this day. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know what the fuck this film is, uh, but I I feel like the plot of like hey, you know, person who loves this game gets to drive, like, the cars in real life. It, it feels like you could probably put that onto the plot of any other game. Like, hey, person who really likes Tetris gets to, I don't know, fucking yeah. play Fuck Tetris, Tetris in real block. life or whatever. I, yeah. I, I'd love to have the misplaced sense of confidence that this, like, PlayStation Pictures outfit has. They had worn absolutely bang average Uncharted movie and they're like fucking right what Which, else have we way, got it took them like 15 <laughs> years to make they're like let's toil yeah, over yeah. this Uncharted movie for the best part of 15 years and then it's like Grand Prismo I guess <laughs> but they also, we, we, also 
Sorry, Jack. Mark, I was no. going to say, like, you just mentioned, you know, person who really loves these cars gets to drive these cars, blah, blah, blah. That's just a track day, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, you can just get a track day and drive any of these yeah, cars. Yeah, but I can't see Orlando Bloom on a track day, you know? Like, uh, there's Cl- David Harbour, who's now jacked. But, Dave, we were talking about this last week. For all I know, Orlando Bloom works at a racetrack now because he's not in fucking movies anymore. What, like Memphis Reigns in Gone in 60 Seconds? Oh, my God. I, look, I would go to that track. I would be there all the time to hang out with Memphis Reigns. Um, You'd be so good on the go-karts. But yeah, no, we were, we were talking about this last week, Dave, that with like, you know, Sony's strategy at the moment is um, just... Strategy. Kind of, just fucking trying anything. <laughs> and uh, one of the things, obviously, they've been doing is, you know, this whole thing with, with just outsourcing any of their IPs into movies. And, you know, we've got Last of Us on the way. Um, there's the Horizon Zero Dawn film coming along. So it's like, yeah, it is just like, fuck it. What else have we got out there that we can turn into a film? You know, like, hey, Mm. give me that Astro's Playbot film. That will be tremendous. I would rather than make another game there as opposed to a movie, personally. Yeah, that would also be swell, wouldn't it? Yeah. Although, didn't they? Am I... Am I Mandela affecting this? Did they make a very boring Ratchet and Plank movie? It is very boring. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, okay, so I don't have hope for Astro then if they did that. Yeah. I guess. Harrowing. Oh, oh. um, but, you know, what, are we on to, what, like, the third or fourth reboot of Tomb Raider now? Though I guess it's not, like, primarily a Sony property, so, mm. yeah. That last one wasn't bad. It wasn't good. And it would be, like, I think it probably would have veered into bad if Alicia Vikander wasn't in it. Because uh, she's very good. Um, but, yeah. Oof. Fucking hell. I'm just looking now to see what do we have left that is like Sony first party that could. Uh... Oh, there's that Twisted Metal show coming as well, isn't there? With Samoa Joe. Oh, with Samoa Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that'll be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're making a Gravity Rush movie. Yeah. Uh, I think anything left is Knack. That's it. Ah, uh, Knack is back. It's a matter of time. So oh, they should call it. Yeah. What are we on now? On that Four, note. Three? Three? Uh, uh, I think we've had three of them. They should release Knack 4 as a movie. Have we had three? Or three. Whichever one we're on, yeah. they should just release the next one as a movie and call it Knack 3, just to confuse people. Oh, no, it's not. It's a, no, we're, yeah, so Knack 3. Yeah, so never the mind the game. We've just release two. Knack 3 as a movie, and everyone will be like, do you have to play the games before you go see the movie? And you're like, yes. I will say, by the way, as of March this year, they ha- Sony had filed a fresh trademark for oh, NAC they're 3. They're waiting for the right moment. When, because they know there's PlayStation Actually, supply issues, and they just got to wait until people can yeah. get their PlayStations in their hands before they can give them NAC. Oh, there will, be, there will be revolution if people don't have their PS5s by the mm. time NAC 3 comes out. Do you know, actually, what they need to turn into a film, Dave? Yeah, I just said it, Mac. <laughs> the Order 1886. Oh. Isn't that basically the length of a movie <laughs> anyway? Exactly. Yeah, it's, essentially. it's the perfect uh, translation, the perfect adaptation. If that game had been half an hour long, I'd have been like, holy shit. I can understand how, do you remember like the early tech demos, people were like, this is the next big IP from Sony. Yeah. For a while until like they got to see bigger looks at that thing. Because like until you realize it's like, oh, this is unbelievably, like unforgivably boring. Uh, it, like for half an hour, it plays great and it looks great. And then it's just like, then it just just happens, doesn't it? Fuck. That was a deep cut, Mark. You're I appreciate welcome. that one. Thanks. 
Um, right, on that note, um, that's going to bring to the end another episode of Link to the Cast. Uh, thanks for listening to us at Link to the Cast, where you need to go on Twitter, follow us, talk to us about what we've been covering on the show, what you think we should cover. Individually, I'm at the day today. Mark is at Lithium Project, Jack is at Jack Lazell, and Garrett is uh, at Garrett Kidney. Thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you next week, possibly for a crisp taste test. Who knows? See you soon. Bye bye. <laughs>